Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to the Legal Queen podcast. So I release these episodes every Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday at 6am. These episodes are recorded from my live Discord sessions where people from my community ask their questions all about family law and I try to answer them. If you would like to take part and ask a question yourself, I welcome you to join my Discord by clicking the link in my profile. Obviously, everyone that asks me a question knows that they're being recorded live for the podcast and I'm not giving advice. All I'm doing is making sensible suggestions and signposting. So enjoy the episode. So let's kick off the evening, start of the week with Andrea. Whenever you're ready, Andrea, you've been sent an invitation. What's your question? Hello there. Um, so basically, um, I have spoken to you on a few occasions before. Yeah. Um, there is a piece in regards to my little boy. Um, and his dad is meant to have regular access every second weekend and every Wednesday night. Yeah. Um, I am, I'm at the point of stopping access. I don't know whether I'll be within my within the law to stop access, whether I'll end up in trouble. But my little boy went to his dad's at the weekend and was told that Santa and the elves are not real. Okay. And, and the, this is the sort of thing that's happening all the time. So there was the birthday party that my little boy was really excited about going to purposefully didn't take him because... It would upset me because I have the dealings with the parent. Yeah. And we go, and I know it probably sounds really pathetic, but we're going to Lapland in um, at the in December, and I can't have the risk that he's going to ruin it. So I'm thinking about stopping access. So my question to you is: I stop access, his dad takes me to court. I I'm found in breach, for example. What's going to happen to me? I think if I'll be completely honest with you, Andrea, you are going to be criticised by the court for stopping contact simply because he's told him that Santa doesn't exist. There has to be a genuine welfare concern um, or uh, an issue of safety, particularly if it's court ordered. Um, and that's really difficult. Right. But if if dad's idea of um, appropriate parenting is to tell a child that, um, you can't really disagree with that, unfortunately. Um, I know that in, in your view, um, you've, you find that inappropriate. But if he doesn't, then... He co-parents with you. And that sounds really harsh, doesn't it? And, and and I am completely on board with you because, like many parents, I wanted my children well, to believe in Father Christmas. Christmas. Yeah, I know. Come home last I know. But it wouldn't be seen as a welfare concern. Really. I know. I know. And I totally agree with you. Um, but it, it but would isn't be... It some form of, like, emotional... Like, isn't, like, doesn't it count as some sort of, like... No. It's almost like an emotional control thing. I know what you like, mean. But it's not. But it, it, it's not. No, it wouldn't be seen as a welfare concern. And and I, I can hear your frustration and I join in with yeah. that frustration because I would feel exactly the same. But I wouldn't suggest that you stop contact over that. That's That would be my honest view. Okay, and, and if I did, what's likely to happen to me? Um, well, I mean, you would just be criticised by the court. There will be, unless, the, unless yeah. the existing order has a penal notice attached, and that will be very clear no, if it, it hasn't. Okay, well, then the, the consequences are that you will be criticised and another order put in place. Um, but I wouldn't, right, re- so I wouldn't recommend it. I, I think I need to calm down because this all only happened last night. Okay. My instant reaction is. You know, because this is all the time he says things that he knows are going to upset my little boy and then I will react to it. It's all about getting that reaction from me. Yeah. So as far as he's concerned, I've not reacted yet. Yeah. But I just don't want him ruining Christmas for my little boy, particularly not as we're going to be in Lapland in Finland. Yeah, yeah. 
such a shame. Uh, yeah, okay, no problem. Thank all you right. very, very much. I really That's appreciate all right. your time. Thanks, Andrea. Bye-bye. Right, thank you. Take care. Bye for now. Bye. Uh, next on the list is Sarah999. Hey, Sarah, what's your question? It's with regards to um, matrimonial home rights um, and my partner's sale of a property, which his ex isn't actually named on the mortgage. Yeah. Um, so it's, yeah, so basically what's been happening is he moved away from the family home. Um, it would have been about April time. Um, he did the online application for divorce. Yeah. Um, by the solicitor, which she had acting as well. Um, that seems to have ground to a halt because she said she's not received any of the paperwork. Then we were looking at getting process server involved, but then we found that she has actually instructed the solicitor herself. Um, but she doesn't seem to be liaising with the solicitor whatsoever. Anyway, fast forward, he sold the property, got a buyer in August, and the buyer wants to exchange contracts this week with completion being before Christmas. We've recently found out a couple of weeks ago that she's actually got the matrimonial um, home rights registered with land registry now. Yeah, yeah. And she has to sign consent or something to say that she will remove herself from the property when the property completes. And she will not sign anything until she has the settlement that she's expecting yeah. to be agreed. And it's basically my partner's going to be in debt after that everything's gone through. Okay. So what's your question of me, Sarah? So, so it, the sale, because the sale, because she's stopping the sale because she won't sign the consent form, the property is going to get repossessed. Okay. So therefore, she will have to leave the property if that was to happen, wouldn't she? Uh, yeah, absolutely, yeah, she, she will. Um, is the matter not before the court, no? No, because okay. she wouldn't respond to anything at all. And okay. the solicitor was trying to get the divorce to go through so they could get the financial settlement to be done. Because she's not been responding to the solicitor that she's... Well, she, if I'm honest with you, Sarah, she doesn't have to respond to anything to take it to court. Your partner just makes a court application um, and then the judge decides who gets what. And she doesn't have to respond to that paperwork. Um, so, you know, it, it's a matter for your partner, really, as to how aggressive he wants to be and obviously how yeah. quickly these things can happen. You know, if he made yeah. an application today, he's not going to be before the court for at least three months. Um, and I don't Sorry, know yeah. at what I'm stage that the, the repossession thing. is up. Yeah, that, that's a frustrating thing because the sale was agreed in August. Okay. And she blocked him, wouldn't have any contact whatsoever with him for him to try and pull because the solicitor had advised to try and get a mutual agreement with regards to the settlement and then do the financial order later on. And it's, it's been in the throes of he's been putting different things on the table for her and she's just either completely ignoring it. Or I think I think it's ridiculous. been yeah it, it it's now. it's been left too long Sarah would would be my suggestion um, something yeah. could have been done um, I think it was left too long to negotiate um, and of yeah. course if the repossession proceedings happen first then well that's that's what's going to happen yeah I, I, this is where we've got to because I think he's going to have to pull the plug from the sale because it's it's not fair expecting the, these poor buyers yeah. to expect to move into a house for Christmas when there's absolutely no way. She will agree to, to to move herself from the property. I think you're right. So it will then go into into possession then. Yeah, yeah, probably. So it's best just walking away from it now, really. I suppose, isn't it? Because it just nothing's going to go through in that time. Uh, so with the course, it's going to be at least three months. At least, it? at least three months. Yeah. 
Right. All right. right. That's lovely. Okay. <laughs> I think that's where we're at. All right. Just a little bit of the advice we needed because we can't get in touch with his solicitor because he's away for two weeks either. No problem. <laughs> oh dear. All right, Sarah. All thanks. Right. Well, thank you. Thanks very much for all your help. Bye. You. Captain, how are you? Uh, I'm not well. How are you? Oh no, you don't sound very well. What's the matter? Uh, I've got flu. Oh, terrible. Captain, honestly, that's awful. It's going round, isn't it? Amy's been off for a week because she's got the same. Yeah. Dear, oh dear. I think it's that time of year. Yeah. Well, bless you for coming on and asking a question for somebody. I appreciate that. No worries. Um, so I'm just, this is not for anyone in, in particular. Um, it's just like a running theme I've seen lately. And it's regarding children and children arrangement orders when the Christmas holidays are happening and Easter holidays and what um, people saying he wants to spend Christmas with me, but I want to spend Christmas with my child. Can you give what happens at that yeah. time of year? Yeah, you know, it, it's always, we always get busy in the run up to about, you know, sort of October, November time, because that's when parents suddenly realise, oh, we have no agreement for Christmas. So generally Christmas contact, the courts are going to want to share it. And the most common example of a Christmas contact will be that one parent will have from, let's say, 5 or 6 p.m. on Christmas Eve through to lunchtime. And obviously it does depend on the age of the children. I'm thinking smaller children because generally when they get to teenagers, they'll kind of tell you what they want to do. Um, but typically for the smaller children, they'll get to spend Christmas Eve and Christmas morning with either mum or dad. And then the other parent will then get the Christmas lunch and the Christmas evening and then obviously Boxing Day. And then the following year, we will alternate it. So that generally, you know, that tends to be your atypical Christmas contact order with each parent having an alternate view um, of Christmas presents, you know, being able to share that opportunity with the child and then the other parent having the Christmas lunch. And much the same for Easter. So, you know, again, if Easter's really important, and for a lot of families, it's less important than Christmas, but if it is equally as, as important, then we have applied that same sort of contact pattern to Easter. So whoever gets the Easter morning wake up and potentially an Easter egg hunt one year, the other parent will then get that the other year with obviously alternate Easter lunches as well. Um, so we kind of split the day in half um, and the courts tend to think that's the most, you know, it's the fairest approach until the children get older. Now, of course, yeah. that might not always work, depending on geography, um, because if parents maybe have to travel three or four or five hours to get to the other parent, then it might be another suggestion that suits that parent. And in which case, we would just say Christmas Eve to Boxing Day with one, and then the other Christmas, Christmas Eve to Boxing Day with the other, depending on the geography. Yeah, and if you've got a child arrangement order in place, for example, let's say it's four and four, yeah. Does the normal day when it falls on Christmas, does it just stop and then you revert to or pause and then you revert to say Correct. What you just said about Correct. Christmas Eve to Christmas Day? Yeah. Absolutely right. Because otherwise we run the risk if we just stick to the, you know, four on four off, we run the risk of one parent having two to three Christmases on the trot. So absolutely, mm -hmm. it, we just pause the existing contact arrangement and we slot in the Christmas or whatever holiday it is. And then we go back to that contact arrangement once the holidays are finished. 
And you can have that put into a, a channel arrangement. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And this is why we don't use dates. We will use Christmas Eve to Christmas morning, you know, 24th to 25th, 25th to 26th. So that regardless mm -hmm. of if that happens to fall on your contact weekend or your days of fall, but it's the other parents' turn to have Christmas, then you are going to ultimately only get half of your four days. But you had last Christmas and the other parents got to have this Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thanks, All right. Thanks, Captain. Get better soon. Aggie, you are next up. What's your question? I've got a question regarding uh, child contact. Just a little background. The restraining order is in place. Um, that's the subject to restraining order against me. Yeah. Uh, he uh, made an application to the court for contact. We've had the first FDRA hearing uh, uh, beginning of October. Yeah. Um, obviously, previous to that, it was the uh, Kafka's uh, safeguarding report, uh, which uh, suggested supervised contact after her alcohol hair strands test. However, the dad didn't didn't turn up at the court, so the court order is no order basically, uh, because he didn't show up at the at the court. Yeah. And now he's sending a, a message that. He will be uh, picking child up from the nursery and taking him for overnight stay. So basically, where do I stand? Well, he can't do that. So I would show a copy of that order that says no contact mm -hmm. with dad to the nursery or school so that they know that they're not allowed to release the child to the to the father. And then if the father and wishes... The, the court, sorry, the court order is only say there is no order and the restraining order is only, only includes me, not the child. Okay, I, I, you still need to tell the school or nursery... Um, you yeah, still yeah, need yeah, to let them well, know. Well, well, if father well, wants to have contact with the child, then he can go back to court and get a contact order. If you suspect that oh, no. if you suspect that father may take the child, then you would go back and get yeah. a prohibited steps order. Okay. All right. Okay. Great. Okay. All right. Oh, thank you. Thanks, thank you Thanks. Thank bye bye. You. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Bye. Mate. V, you are next up. What's your question? I um. I don't have a, a child arrangements order at the moment. Um, my son hasn't seen his dad for about a year and a half. Um, and he, because I don't have a live with order, um, sorry, wait a minute, Colin, okay. Um, he, I can't take him abroad without his dad's consent. And I know that I, I'm, not, I'm not able to ask for his dad's consent because of domestic abuse. I've um, had a non molestation order etc etc um if i wanted to take him abroad and i applied to the court using a specific issue would that give him an avenue to use that hearing as um an attempt to gain contact with our son only if he made an application so the court's only going to decide the application before it and if all that's before it is a specific issues application that's all they're going to be looking at okay so if he got to the hearing and said um, no, I don't agree that she's going on holiday. I want child contact. They wouldn't then go, oh, okay, well, we can discuss child contact. They would just 
make a decision on whether I could take him away or not. Well, they would ask him to make an application, and in reality, mm-hmm. they w- if he made his application, then the matter would be listed for a further hearing. Um, yeah. So, but just because he's, and I get asked this question a lot, just because dad might make a child arrangements application doesn't mean yeah. that he will be successful in getting contact. Okay, because obviously if you have some reservations or some worries, some concerns, if dad were to make that application, then obviously he would um, you you would let the court know of your concerns. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I just I was my my biggest worry was um, I want to take him on holiday. I would have to obviously apply to the court for to to ask for it. And I didn't want it to become an avenue for him to go. Oh, okay, well, I'm going to use you pains court to uh, try and get contact if that yeah. makes sense but if, if that's um, the case then if it, d- does dad have um does dad see the child at all no he's not seen him for a year and a half okay um and is he showing any interest in 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 seeing the child um, no when i first left him um okay. i sent a proposal to him via a solicitor yeah um for um for him to have supervised access which he declined with a solicitor's letter saying, no, he wants him every Saturday. Mm. Um, and that was declined by me. And that was the last I heard. And that was a year and a half ago. Okay. All right. Fair enough. All right, V. Well, I hope that helped. Yeah. Lovely. Thank you so much. Okay, thanks. Bye-bye. Lots of people asking if they can take their children on holiday without the father's consent. Depends if you've got a court order in place. If you have and you are the resident parent, then you can go on four weeks abroad without the parent, uh, without the father's consent. If you don't have a, a consent order in place, depends again. I mean, if father hasn't seen the child for a long time, how is he going to know, really? And if it is just a genuine holiday... Don't know that I'd be making the application to the court. Um, KK, you're up next. What's your question? Basically, I had an FDR hearing yep. on the 4th of October, yep. which uh, was it concluded that the house needed to be sold. Yeah. And we, me and my ex-partner both had joint conduct of sale. Yeah. Now, what's happened is the house, well, it took her seven weeks to put the house up on market Um the reason she had to do it was because I'm not actually at the property, so I don't actually have access to it, so I couldn't get the estate agents in to do that. Right. Um, we managed to get it up on the market seven weeks after the order was um, created, and about two or three days after the actual house was listed, um, there was interest in the property, but then she um, subsequently had it removed from the market without my consent or my knowledge. Um, I've called, I've contacted the estate agents multiple times and they said because they've spoken to my ex-partner solicitor, um, they're refusing to talk to me without getting legal advice. So I have absolutely no idea where I stand at the moment. So let me just rewind. Is there a financial order in place, KK? There is, yes. And, and, and it, it states that the house has to be sold. Okay. And are you named on the mortgage of the property? I'm the only person on the mortgage for the property. She's actually not on it. Well, I I have no clue why the estate agent would would take that view because the court order that you have totally outranks what her solicitor is telling them. Well, this is where I was confused because um, they 
point blank are refusing to speak to me saying that it's going to have to be one of the directors of the actual estate agents that calls me back and they're actually away on holiday at the moment. Okay, maybe it's just a case of it's above their pay grade or they don't want the responsibility of doing something wrong. But just know that, that, yeah, the order that you have definitely will, will outrank what her solicitor is telling them. And that property needs to be placed on the market for sale. If that, if that's the order that you have, absolutely. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Now, I mean, am I able to kind of go back to the court for an enforcement order? Absolutely. Yeah. It took her seven weeks to get the house on the market. And now that she's actually broken the order by taking it off the market. Yeah, you you are. And you would do that by um, completing a D11 form to take that back. Um, And you'd be asking the court. I mean, the court's going to enforce it. How? So you need to then think about how you want that order enforced. Is it that actually now you're going for an occupation order to have her removed from the property so that you can then take over conduct of the sale? And of course, will will that be yeah. impacted by her affordability? Are the children involved? So it might be that you need to take some more legal advice. But to answer your question, you can enforce the order. Yeah, sure. so what I was going to actually try and do was um, have a early vacation of the property from her so that I can actually move back in and okay. also have her rights for sale removed so that she can't actually kind of do anything like this again. Yeah, yeah. so you would you would need to um, put all that in your D11 form, exactly what you're asking the court to do. Because we all know that you right. can ask for the enforcement, but then the court will say, well, how do you want to enforce it? What is it that you want to do? That's what they'll be considering. Right. All right. Okay. Great. And you think that's kind of a reasonable timely uh, time frame because she's had two months and the house. Well, she didn't even get the house on the market for about. Seven Look, weeks, I, like I, I, I'd, I'd be doing both. I mean, I'd be putting your application in because you're not going to get a hearing date for about three months. But I'd also be pressing the directors of the estate agent when they come back. So I, I would just be yeah. hitting it from from both sides, and eventually one of them will win. And if and if you manage to get the house, you know, a buyer and the sales going through, well, then you can just let the court know that you don't need the hearing date anymore. Right. All right. Okay. Great. Brilliant. All right. Thanks Thank then. Bye bye. SLB seventy seven. So I wanted to know. Um, we've only just exchanged the E four financial paperwork with the bank statements now for another four months, which has already cost me two thousand pounds in solicit fees. Yeah. I don't know why. What is a normal time scale for this? And um, because it's taken so long, and I've been emailing my solicitor and she's not answering questions or answering my calls a lot of the time. I want to know: Is it too late now to change? solicitors um would i be losing money by doing this um so it's never too late to change a solicitor that's the first thing i would say are you going to lose money your new solicitor is going to have to read your file um to get up to speed with it so there might be an additional because of course your existing solicitor knows what what's going on in the file but the new solicitor won't so depending upon the, the how big that file is you may have to pay an additional hour or two for the new solicitor to be able to read the file and get up to speed your other question, okay. sorry, was what's the normal time scale? Are, are you in court or is this a voluntary exchange? No, she said we're not going to go to court until July 23rd next year. And I'm in a safe house with my daughter and my, well, whilst my husband is refusing to take any offers on the house as well. Um, so that seems a long time to be waiting for a court date. Is that a usual time scale as well? 
so if she's given you an exact time date uh, to 23rd of July, then I'm thinking, yeah, well, she's no, obviously... No, no, she said they wouldn't be to July next year. She, oh. give me a t she hasn't even given oh. a court date yet. Oh, oh, I see. Have you? Has an application been made to the court? I don't even know. I've asked it. That's, that was one of my emails last Monday to ask her what the next stage was after we've exchanged the paperwork, but I've not heard anything. I think it sounds to me as if you're doing a voluntary exchange because if an application's been made, you would have been sent the, the dates. So there would be a date to exchange for me and then a hearing date, a court date. By the sounds of it, you're just... You're just doing Sorry. a voluntary exchange, I, I would have thought, um, okay. which ju just... Which is fine, and, and you know, and I, I'm not an advocate for going to court at all. But y y if you're going to do a voluntary exchange, now you've exchanged for me's, you now need to be asking questions of the other party fairly soon, within two to three weeks. And if if you um, have got to that stage, you then need to be putting offers forward, because what you what want sort to of questions have you got to be asking then? Because I've not been told anything about what the process is or anything. Well, that that depends on what comes up in the form A. So there might be entries in his bank statements that you want to question. Um, there might Didn't be. Didn't get those. Weren't even in it. Okay. Well, then you haven't had you haven't exchanged. So you you, you need to go back a step and you need to be exchanging for me's and getting more financial disclosure. I got his for, for I got his form, his filled in form, his pension statements, and everything else, but not his bank statements with it. Okay. Well, that's the first question. Where's your bank statements? Yeah, I that need was them. another question I asked her, but she still hasn't got back to me with that. Yeah. So you need to go back and 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 get his bank statements. Once you've got all of the disclosure, then you can ask questions of that disclosure if you need to if you don't mm. then you are going to then be putting an offer forward to settle and of course if both parties offers are poles apart then I'd be suggesting mediation let's get into mediation see if you can settle and if that's not appropriate then off to court but don't leave it too long otherwise the formies go out of date and you'll have to do them all over again Right. Okay. And so, what's the time scale for a court date? Is it is it that long? Or it's Gen well, no. Generally, I, I would I would say three months. Three months is the average. I mean, I'm still making financial applications and getting hearing dates within three months. And I and I have nationwide client base, so my clients are all over the country. So I generally have a right. good overview of of courts in London and Cornwall and up in Manchester and. Um, Newcastle, so and she, it's it's about three she months. To do the no, the one where I can make him sell, but that's going to cost me a lot more money. And I, you know, she said we can get a date for that for April, and I thought, well, that's sort of how can we get a date for that for April, and yet we can't get the E four form until July. Mm. You know, the date for the e, the financial settlement. Mm. I think you've just got to to push back and ask her, and if you're not getting the response that you need, then just mm. change solicitors. Yeah, yeah, I think I'll do that. Then. Yeah. All right then. Okay. Thanks. Thank Bye. You. To get on, Kirsty. Hi. What's your question? We've been recently contacted um, by my, well, my, hus my husband. Has recently been contacted by a lady who he was in a relationship with ten years ago, um, and has basically said that uh, her child is his. Yeah. Um, kind of said that like she was willing to have contact and he was allowed contact and etc etc he, he was bombarded with messages off her mother as well kind of saying like the child is asking about who her dad is and um if she wants to meet him um, and then all of a sudden everything got blocked and he wasn't like he couldn't message any of them 
Um, so he's put into for a court order um, just to basically ask for a DNA test, which is on the 25th of January. But I'm just like we're just wondering beforehand. He's got a Kafka's call, and um, what's going to happen with that? Um, and because we obviously don't want to kind of this disrupt this child's life if it was just if it's just the mother that's kind of being this way and he's not the dad but at the same time he obviously would want we want to know if it is his child and um, what would you suggest well i'm, I'm not going to suggest anything at the moment because the the reason that kafkas is calling is just to do a safeguarding letter so that will just be a conversation okay. between him and kafkas and he will simply tell kafkas what you've just told me he had no idea this is the first time that he, okay. he even thought that he might be the father but he's more than willing to do a dna test to establish parentage and then, of course, when you get to court on that first um, appointment, hopefully mom will agree to a DNA test taking place. Um, and, and that's all that, that will happen. I mean, I'm sure that Kafkas will be telling mom, don't let on to the child just yet until we can confirm it. And then, of course, the DNA testing will be done. And if he does turn out to be the father and it's decided that actually contact is appropriate because we've got no safeguarding concerns, it will certainly start slow and steady because we've got a 10-year-old child, I'm assuming, that has yeah. never seen her father um, and I'm sure will be completely overwhelmed by the whole process. So it will be very sort of slow, might start with some letters and cards, moving on to some FaceTime contact before we actually get any direct contact. It will depend on the family dynamic. Okay. And right. just for the, the second part of that question, what if she, because she's already refused the Mayam um mediation kind of side of it she's ignored all them letters um hence why it's gone to court now and um, so i'm guessing she's going to ignore the dna side of it or decline it what happens if that then happens well i mean that if the court orders that she provide a dna sample for the child then she has to do that i mean i'm a bit confused as to why she started this and then stopped yeah. it is it because maybe she realizes he's not the dad and it's actually somebody else i don't know but you know, if if he if he all he can do is keep pushing on to the area after ten years. So as soon as he's come back to the area, it's then she's then said he is. But then, well, all he can do is keep pushing forward and and just keep pushing on with his DNA test and and get to the bottom of it. That that's that's all he can do yeah. really. And the court will order okay. her to make the child available for DNA. Okay, All right. Brilliant. Thank you so Great. much. Thanks, Kirsty. Bye. Uh, Melissa, you are next up. What's your question? I've spoken to you before, Tracy. So we were, went to FDR for the children and the court case, um, the CAFCAS the, the, the officer turned up unannounced because she wasn't happy with something that had happened and she's had a phone call from the, from the children's school with something that happened with the father. Um, what happened was... Um, after, uh, it kind of went a bit strange, really. I wasn't expecting that to happen. So she turned up, spoke to the court, wasn't happy. The legal advisor, if I'm getting my terminology right, um, suggested that the children were made guardians of the court. Okay. The CAFCAS officer said that wasn't uh, that wasn't necessary, providing we uh, under we went for some this family work this family work is it ICFA? Right. So. We left court really with my ex-husband being really told off, uh, and then that we were going to have this family work with with these advisors. My my middle daughter who hasn't seen her father for a year. He was hoping for a fifty fifty shared custody order, 
um, the children's wishes were heard and they were basically wanting to go less, not more. And the middle one hasn't been for a year. So it was quite a big ask that he was putting on the table, really. Um, so what happened then was my CAFCAS office has been on long-term sick, so nothing's happened. Would you back in court in January? Meanwhile, this worker got in touch with me last week. So the work was due to start now, which I thought was cutting it a bit fine, really, given my daughter doesn't even speak to him, to have all this work put in place, ready to go back to court. In, in, they were hoping by the January that we'd, we'd sort of had a plan written up and that it could just get signed off by the court, maybe not even attend. What happened on Thursday was, when I was waiting for this lady to ring me to do, for the referral, she, she messaged me to say that my ex-husband had decided it wasn't for him at this time. Right. I'm the respondent. Um, can he just decide now he's started the show that he doesn't want to continue with it, given that there were we were a stone throw away from the children being made? He can, the yeah, he can, he can decide if he wishes to um, continue with his application. However, the court may not, he'll have to make a formal application to withdraw and the court may not agree with that. The court might, might, might yeah. say, no, actually, we're going to continue. Right. So just because he makes, it depends. It really depends, Melissa, on on you know what sort of issues are in the case, and you know what the concern. I mean, clearly there are some concerns if a guardian's been appointed because that's at great expense to the public purse, and it, obviously it was, we, we, it, it was decided there wasn't a guardian. It was get on with this family work, and then we won't need to do it. But it was like last chance saloon sort of attitude. Yeah, but 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 even happen. even so, I mean the fact that the legal advisor is saying appoint a guardian and the CAFCAS officer was able to change their mind and say oh, let's do some additional work that's expensive yeah. you know that that's pretty expensive to have that person do that family work and for dad yeah. to then drop out so you know there's every chance the court might might say no it, it continues and, and an order will, will be made even if the order is that they have no contact with dad you know so if you were me Tracy would you do anything or shall I just sit tight now no I just sit tight just hold your nerve Melissa and just keep going um, because ultimately you want to resolve because what could yeah. potentially happen is that dad pulls the pin and then in 12 months time makes another application again. So if I were you, I would be saying to the court, if dad decides to pull the pin, you'll be asked your view. And I'd be saying, well, no, because we're halfway through now. We may as well keep going. Otherwise, the whole thing's right, a complete well, waste be, of time. Well, yes, my view, will I? Absolutely. Right, yeah. That. Yeah. Right. Thank you. Yeah. So it, would it be like with a financial one where I'd be asked if I was happy to vacate car? Yes, that's it. Absolutely, yeah. Oh, lovely, thank yeah. you. Because obviously, you're quite right, and that's exactly... We're, we're this far through... He started this show, I never wanted to do this. Yeah. And I just feel we're this far on now, I don't, I don't want to start it again. Let's get let's get an order in place and stick to it. That's what he wanted. Yeah, yeah. No, you you, you will be asked. Your, your view will be, be listened to. All right? Thank you so much. No thank worries. You, all you do for us. That's it, thank all right. You. Thanks, Melissa. Bye-bye. Boo, you are next up. What's your question? Yeah, my question's in relation to a financial order. Yeah. Um, I was in a civil partnership which has dissolved uh, about five years ago now. Yeah. And we didn't settle on uh, make a financial settlement at that time. Um, now, the, the areas of settlement would be the matrimonial home and also my pension. Mm -hmm. um, I'm just wondering whether to start the process, would I be better off starting it sooner rather than later? Or my other question is, I am due to retire in roughly five years' time. 
if I was to retire without the settlement and my lump sum of my pension um, has been spent, would that be money owed if we were then to settle? So whenever the court is deciding a financial settlement, it will only work with what's available to it. So if money has been spent by the time it comes before the court, that money may not be considered. Does that help? Does, yeah, you. yeah. So I think my, my my suggestion is always going to be a financial order sooner rather than later, because until you have that financial order, you can't sever the financial ties. But of course, it, it will always depend on your personal circumstances and if that's going to benefit you. Um, but ultimately, if you have started divorce or you're, you already are divorced, then I would be saying, look, you know, go for that financial order. But don't, don't worry about, you know, what assets may be disposed or not disposed because the court can only work with what's available at the time it's been asked to make the order. Okay, that's great. Thing. Just one last question. Yeah. Um, in relation to uh, the mortgage, which is only in my sole name, um, she's living in the house uh, with two young children uh, that were um, IVF children. Mm-hmm. Um, in relation to the house, would she be more entitled to a high percentage if we settle sooner rather than later? So if you are going to settle and do that severance while the children are still relatively young, potentially yes. But if you enter into a measure order whereby you're going to wait until the youngest is 18 and then receive your share, it reverts back to 50-50 at that point. Yeah, so from if I'm concluding this in my mind yeah. to get it straight, yeah. I would it would be more beneficial for me. Sorry, it would be more beneficial for me then to wait in that respect um, to see whether obviously she makes a claim or not. Um, well, it, you're the one that's going to be making the claim because she's in the property and you want your equity from the property. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, like I say, um, right at the start, we did, well, I did try and make a financial settlement um but from what i believe she was told that she is more likely to get the house out of um those two obviously assets yeah so so if she's in the house and and you're entitled to some equity you've got two options you can either ask her to give you your settlement now and if she's using that house to house two children yes she might get more than 50 percent or you can wait until the youngest is 18 and then get your 50% then. And of course, it will be worth more, potentially, whenever your youngest is, is worth 18. But I think anything beyond that, sorry, when your youngest reaches 18, any advice beyond that, you can't really ask it on the Discord channel because then we're getting really specific to your situation. Do you see what I mean? So I, I would need to then start asking you some, some more questions in order to be able to give you proper advice. All I'm doing now really is making suggestions as to what may or may not happen. But I think I think what you need is probably some, some legal advice. Yeah, okay, that's yeah. great. Thank you for your All right. Time. No worries. Thanks. Bye. Um, next up is Lulu. Hi, Lulu. What's your question? My daughter, um, her dad hasn't bothered seeing her for about three and a half years now. Yeah. He stopped off his own back. Um, I, he changed his number, etc. I had no form of contact with him. I couldn't get in contact with him 
any shape or form. Um, since he left her, she has suffered with a lot of emotional and behavioural issues, and she's only just getting back to herself. Mm-hmm. Um, I recently received a letter from his solicitor. Yeah. And I also received um, social services at my door. Yeah. Um, now, the solicitor's letter states that he wanted to pick my daughter up that weekend. Um, and, you know, it's going to be every fortnight what he says goes. And I, I haven't wrote back yet, but I'm a bit concerned because now social services are involved and he's actually admitted to one of my family members that he did it. It's come to light that he actually went to prison for hitting a five-year-old boy. And I didn't know this. And it's also come to light that my daughter's not in a safe place at his. He used to emotionally, I'd say emotionally abuse her in a way. He would tell her that mummy's um, whore, except, you know, horrible things. And it really just scared me that if he does try to get contact, um, I, just, I need to know a way to keep my daughter safe, really. And I don't really know what to do. How old is she? She's just turned seven. Okay. I mean, the fact that he hasn't seen her for three and a half years, um, the, there's there's no way that you would then just allow contact to take place for alternate weekends. That's too much yeah. um, for, for that age range. So even if you didn't have any welfare concerns, I think you would be going back to the solicitor to say, well, you know, that that level of contact so soon is totally inappropriate. But in your case, you do have welfare concerns. So you need to write back to the solicitor and say, I can't agree to any kind of contact at the moment because I've got welfare concerns and this is what they are. And then, of course, you just tell them what you've just told me. Now, the solicitor can't force you to make your child available for contact with him. So ultimately, the only recourse that dad has is to make an application to the court. And once he makes the application Mm -hmm. to the court, you then have a voice. So you'll attend court and the court will say, well, why aren't you allowing your child to have contact? And you will just repeat to the court what you told his solicitor and what you told me. And what will then happen is, chances are, they will investigate those concerns. And then the court will decide if those concerns are, they actually warrant no contact or supervised contact. But in any event, Lulu, because she's so young, If contact was ever ordered, it would always start small and slow. So it might just be an hour a week. Um, It might not even start with direct contact. It might start with indirect contact first, you know, letters and cards or FaceTime contact. So so don't worry that just because he's asking for contact and he's the biological father that he's automatically going to get it. Yeah, it's it's concerned because the letter I received off his solicitor was so precise. They want me to have pictures of him around my house so I can familiarise my daughter with him. I don't want pictures of him around my house. I don't want to be walking around and seeing his face. Yeah, that you know, I, I must admit, I've never heard of heard of that before. That's um, that's a little bit invasive, if if I'm honest with you. And I think you're well within your rights to say, I'd rather not do that. Could we think of an alternative, please? Yeah, I, I, this is what I thought. Be- when we was together, he was quite controlling and yeah. manipulative. You know, yeah. a woman stays at home, a woman does the cooking and the cleaning and yeah. that sort of thing. And I broke free from that and it just feels like he's trying to gain that control again but by going through our child. It, it seems that he's not really bothered because yeah. he's already got a previous child. 
from a previous relationship that he hasn't seen for nine years. Mm. And it's just, it's that sort of like control he's trying to get. Yeah. I think the the, the sad thing is that you're going to have to go through the motions though. You know, you, you you don't have to respond to his solicitor's letter, but if you if he makes a court application, you will have to advise the court, and all you can do is just go through the motions. Yeah. All right. Okay. Okay. Thanks, Lulu. All right. Thank you. Very Bye. Eight oh three. You're next up. What's your question? My situation is, uh, um, I was with my partner for about sixteen years. We yeah. were married for five. Yeah. Um, we've got um, a five-year-old boy now. Yeah. Um. We wasn't, I was Islamically married to her, not um, English law. Yep. Um, I found out she was angry with her, I had to leave the house. Um, then she put a restraining order against me for two years. I don't know on what grounds, but the legal advice I was given at the time was the fact that if I just accept it, um, then I might have a better chance of seeing my little boy without my family and my friends finding out about this affair, mm-hmm. which I didn't want to broadcast my news. Uh, the problem is that I paid a sufficient amount of money into the house. Yeah. Um, so where do I stand with that now? I mean, like, can she sign the house without me being notified? Or are you? I'm not on the mortgage. You're not on the mortgage. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, I was given a. I gave it. So we bought. When we bought our first property. Yeah. I gave it a, a, a big deposit. And yeah. And I paid for all the building work and the extension, everything we had done. Yeah. Um, and then I used to give her a thousand pound a month for every month. That's what she used to pay towards the bills, whatever she used to use the money for. That was that thousand pound that I was contributing for a month. Yeah. Um, then she, then we bought our second property, but because we had a lot of equity in the house uh, when we sold it, that was used for the deposit for the new new property. Yeah. So um, ultimately, you are. I mean, obviously, step one is you're going to have to write to her or have a solicitor write to her and make it very clear what it is that you want back. And you'll take advice as to how much would be appropriate. And then if she doesn't agree to that, you're going to have to make a court application. But effectively, what you're saying to the court is, I have a beneficial interest in this property because I invested financially lump sums into that property. And I would like that back, please. So you, I mean, yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not too bad with it. I'm not, I don't want the money back from her. I just want, I don't want her to stand the, the house because obviously it's a, the property is worth a lot of money and it's, it's like a future for my son as well. And, and I just got well, this, if you, if you, you know, if you don't, if you don't want your money back, then you have to walk away. If the house is hers and I mean, she can, can do she, what she wants can with she it. Sell the property yeah. without mine. If I get, can I put a notice on there or something? Like no, because you're not married. You're not married. So you yeah. can't do that. So if the house in her name and you don't want the money back, then she can do what she wants with it. So if I say I want the money back and then she has to give me, if she does, if she can't afford to give me, then what? Well, she'll have to sell the house to give it back to you. Chances are, unless she can raise it against the house, but she's going to have to sell the house to give it back to you. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Chris Nee, you are next up whenever you're ready. uh, Hello. It might it might be a little bit of a stupid question, but I'm just wondering if you got divorced uh, twenty plus years ago, yeah, and you're not entirely sure whether you have a financial order in place. How would you go about finding finding out that information? So go back to the court that made the divorce, and if it was twenty years ago, it won't be the divorce portals that we have now. So they would go back to the court 
that made the divorce, give that court the divorce number and they will be able to tell you if a financial okay. order and, was and made. All of that information will be on the papers, I'm assuming. Well, it will be in the court system somewhere. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so that, And they will just write back to you to say yes or no. And then if they say yes, you then write back again to say, can I have a copy of the order, please? Okay. Okay, perfect. All right. That was it. Well, thank you very okay, much. you're Good welcome. Bye bye. April, you are next up. What's your question? Basically, what it is, I think I've spoken to you a few times actually now. Yeah. Um, we had our second uh, gatekeeping um, hearing um, on the 1st of December. Yeah. Obviously, we didn't attend that one because we don't have to, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, recommendations that um, CAFCAS and social services have done. Um, the court are basically, it sounds like to me with the court order that they're blackmailing us to signing the recommendations. Now, the recommendations that they put in place will put me and my husband in financial difficulties for our son to go and see the birth mother. Um, What steps can I take further to do this? Because they're basically saying if we don't sign it, we got to do a parenting course. Now, I'm not too sure why they're saying that. So ask them. Would be my. It, it, it's very hard uh, for me to answer that question with such limited information. So I, for, for I, I wouldn't say the court are blackmailing you to do anything. So be really careful when you're talking to the court. Obviously, the language that you use, and I'm sure that you wouldn't say mm-hmm. that to them. But mm-hmm. if you're not sure why they want you to do the parenting course, then ask them. Yeah, because um, me and my husband, we've done about five. Okay. And the birth mother have never done one. Okay. So, I mean, it, it would seem very bizarre if you say to the court, look, I've done five parenting courses. Why do you want me to do a sixth one? Um, but I would just ask them the question. And if you cannot afford, financially cannot afford to collect the children or drop the children off or whatever it is that you're being asked to do, then you're going to have to just tell the court that. And it might mean that contact is hindered because of that, i.e. contact is, you know, reduced because of that. Yeah, so the birth mother was having fortnightly um, contact, obviously, this um, child lives with me and my husband. right. Um, he packed up and left um, to move five and a half hours away from the child. Yeah. Um, but they're expecting her to um, us to drop him halfway um, once a month on the Saturday and then pick him back up on the Sunday halfway. And I'm just like, that's going to affect, you know, if I, if, yeah, if I'm honest with you, April, that doesn't seem unreasonable. I mean, first of all, the court's saying both parents will share the travel. Um, you know, mum can move where she wants to because that's her right to do so. And I know that that puts a little bit of a, uh, you know, an, an additional pressure on you and the father. But that's a consequence of separation, unfortunately. Um, and I think once a month isn't too excessive. You know, it's not weekly. Um, it is it is sort of once a month. And I think potentially you, you do have to think about the fact that the child does need to have a relationship with, with its mother, you know. Yeah, I mean, like we've mentioned a few times, which wasn't been, I mean, there's a few health um, conditions that the child's got um, that the, the social worker in CAVCAS didn't actually put in the recommendations. Right. Um, and there's a lot of information that's missing, which yeah. we've been trying to fight for, but they won't amend it. Yeah. Amanda, Again, I think, um, I think, April, once a month contact isn't excessive. 
And what you've got to think right. to yourself is, if all this other information was in the report, would it actually make any difference? I think, you know, mum's mom's, mom's got because, minimum um, contact as it is. I think it would because uh, I've got a um, doctor's report of medical neglect. Mothers never t um, turn up to the appointments with them. So, so what are you suggesting that mom that the child has even less contact with mum? I mean, like we between ourselves, we did agree a um, layout of um, contact, um, which was agreed. But it's the one one week holidays which weren't agreed, and she turned really nasty on us. Um, you know, she stopped paying child maintenance because we didn't agree it, and you know, we're we're back to square one again. So, so you are in agreement that the child sees mum then? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. So we don't, we don't really have too many concerns about the medical issues. So I think, I think this is potentially why the court's trying to say, look, once a month is going to be okay. Right, okay. Do you see what I mean? So if, if we've already agreed contact with mum, then, you know, the court's given mum the very basic of contact, which is just once a month. Um, you know, the chances of the child needing urgent medical attention during that one weekend out of a potential 30 days is probably low. And obviously the courts assess the risk there. Um, I, I, I think that I think you may struggle is what I'm trying to say. Mm. OK, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> All right. Thanks, April. OK, bye bye. As as much as I love, Claire, I'll be with you in one second. As much as I absolutely love doing this and, and answering questions, um, I, I do have to be completely honest sometimes with people because it wouldn't be fair to them if, if I just sort of told them what they wanted to hear. And sometimes I can hear in people's voices that they find it a little bit hard. Um, but I'm going to I'm always going to be completely honest with you guys. And obviously, I'm with the courts almost every day. So I kind of know what the judges are thinking is reasonable and rational. Um, there we go. Right, Claire, sorry, what's your question? I have a memorandum of understanding. That yes. Was signed by my, my husband and I. Yes. Um, and it was on the condition of the sale of the house. Yeah. That has gone through. We've had a solicitor's letter and I've received my share. He's received his. Um, the person that was helping us with it says that I need a consent order. Yes. However, my ex-husband's just been sent to jail and is awaiting trial. Okay. Um, so my question is, would the uh, copy of the signatures of the Memorandum of Understanding be sufficient for me to go ahead and apply and not have any worries of him coming back me for any money in the future no situation. no claire you're going to have to get that agreement put into a financial order and sent to prison so he can sign it he'll still be able to sign yeah. it um because we yeah. can we yeah. can post stuff to prison um so you know you're you're it's not all over just yet so but no you're going to have to send in an order to the court do you think he'll still sign it for you claire will he will he still no, I, I don't know because there's mental health issues and all sorts going on. Oh dear, oh dear. Um, I, I, I would, I would give it a try. Okay, what's the difference between a financial order and a, a consent? A clean break. Clean break. Yeah, is, it, is that what it is? Is it all the same thing? It, it's, yeah, so a, a clean break A clean break is a financial order, really. It's just that a financial order has got maybe a little bit more in it. A clean break or just have a clean break in it. But they ultimately are the same. And, of course, they're legally binding, whereas your memorandum of understanding isn't. 
Um, and so the, is it the consent order that you need to fill in? Or can you, is there a different form? No, no. So the consent order is drafted by the solicitor, whoever drafts that for you. And then there's another form called a D81 that you have to fill in. And both of those right. forms go to the court and then the court will make the order, hopefully, if it's fair. And hopefully he'll sign it. Yeah, that's it, exactly. Um, just last question then. Yeah. Would you recommend that I hold off on the absolute application until I get that? Um, is the pension provision made, Claire? Um, I took a lump sum because I knew the situation was very unstable. So I'm happy with the deal that we have. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I probably would would advise you to hold off then on the decree absolute just until you get it signed because you, you don't want to cut your opportunity short if for whatever reason he doesn't sign it. Okay. All right. Okay. Thanks, Claire. Bye. Uh, next up, um, Ali McGill. What's your question, Ali? So I've done a no-fault divorce. Yeah. And I've got Laura. Yeah. I can accept the final order, but me and the ex-wife, we don't have any assets or any sort of money to um, divide between. Yeah. So, but we have two children. Yeah. Can I just do a clean break order? You're going to have to take advice on that, but yes, right. if, if there are no assets to be divided between the parties and there's no claim for spousal maintenance, then yes, that would be um, the suggestion. But of course, I can't tell you that for definite because you would need to get some advice. Right, so legal advice it is then. Yeah, yeah, but I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm guessing if there's nothing to divide, it will be a clean break, yeah. Yeah, no problem, thank you very much. All right, you're welcome. Thanks, well, Ali. Can, oh, actually, go can, on. Can I, can, I yeah. do, can I do that? Can I... So before I do the, obviously I can accept my divorce, so I yep. do financial final order. Can I accept that and then do the financial order stuff? Or do you always so, better off to wait and do the financial order? It, it is. I, I always recommend, as do most family law solicitors, to get the financial order first before your final order. But I always say, because there are people out there that have the final order and then start panicking and thinking they can't get a financial order, you can always get a financial order, no matter how long you've been divorced for. But if you haven't quite got the final order yet, then yeah, do the financial order first and then the final. I can, I can accept the final order now because I came through last week. I would tell you to hold off. I would tell you to hold off. Right, no problem. Thank All right. You very much. You're welcome. Thanks. Bye. Um, first of all, a massive thank you to Phoebe and Missy. Have you any thumbs left? We've got to 50, over 54.4 thousand likes on TikTok. My God, guys, thank you so much for that. Um, Zoe 40, I can see that you've been busy this evening answering questions for me. That And thank you for that. That brings me to an end um, for our Monday night Discord, guys. So thank you so much for all your questions and your company this evening. I am going to be back here tomorrow at 5. Um, for those of you that maybe are on Instagram, I posted a story today um, and I'd be really interested in your view. It was about divorce and if men suffer more in divorce um, than women. Um, and it was a really interesting article that I read. Um, and so, yeah, go over to Instagram and check that out, see what you guys think. Um, in the meantime, take care and I will see you all back here tomorrow at six. Cheers, guys. Bye bye.